What amazing words. What amazing words that we have just heard. And who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hands? The giver of light is born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan to save the world. And that's what the gospel is all about. That's what we are celebrating on Christmas Eve and on Christmas. In fact, this is really what Christians celebrate all year long. This is what we're all about. The birth of Christ, the incarnation of Christ, God's great break in into human history. Because that's what happened. You see, the reality is, as we think about the flow of history, as we're reminded that history is really God's story. It's his story. Creation. God created. Man rebelled. Creation fell. God promised. God fulfilled because Jesus has come. And how amazing it is that uh, Mary and Joseph, historically, you can't make this story up. It is what it is. It is what happened. Mary and Joseph were able to hold in their hands God come in the flesh in the form of a baby that one day he would grow up and do everything perfect for us so that we could be held in the Father's hands, that we could be forgiven, that we could be loved, that we could be carried, that we could have a Father. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian thinker, put it this way. He said, he said, God descends to reascend. He comes down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity. But he goes down to come up again and to bring the whole ruined world with him. I love that. One is a picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. What a great picture. That's what Jesus has done. He's come as a baby. The eternal son of God has come as a baby and bore on his strong shoulders the weight of the world, the weight of our sin, the weight of my sin, the weight of your sin. And he walked off carrying us into the presence of the living God. The verse we've been studying, the passage we've been studying for the last several weeks here at Orangewood is Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Let me read that to you. It says this. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The latter time he is made glorious by the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Catch this, written 750 years before Jesus was born. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. How powerful it is as we think of this prophecy telling about the coming of the Messiah, coming 750 years, and the word Messiah means the anointed one, the one who would have the blessings of God who could come into this world and do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
What a blessing it is that the light has come. You see, whenever there's rebellion against God, there's gloom. Whenever we say, God, you're doing your thing, we're doing our thing. Whenever we rebel, there's gloom and darkness and doom because we mess it up. We don't often think of that life that way, but we're all trying to make life work on our own. It's kind of like fishing. You know, you throw, you throw the line out with the bait on there and you, you get it. So, and you start, you catch something, you're reeling it in. And sometimes we think about life that way. I'm making it happen. I'm reeling it in. It's working great, isn't it? And then you get that fish and you begin to take it off the line. Have you done this? Dads, have you done this? Moms, have you done this? You get that fish off the line and it squirms and, it, and then the, the top fins stick you. The fish gets away and the hook in the millet cuts you and you're, there you are, left bleeding. Thought you had life on the line, but life gets bloody. Life gets painful because you know what? We don't have it all together. But the light has come. The sun has come. And, and he's come to dispel the gloom and the doom and the darkness that we created. It's amazing. Who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hands? The giver of life was born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan to save the world. Amazing. 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 For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government, interestingly, the government shall be upon his shoulders. We're not worshiping a baby. We're worshiping God come in the flesh who carries the weight of all on his shoulders. His shoulders were so strong because he's absolutely amazing. His conception, his birth, absolutely amazing. Why? Because he's absolutely amazing. That's the way it is. And he was able to carry the weight on, the sho- on his shoulders because he's Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. God is Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus is. What do we need to know more about him? Well, he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. I know what you guys have been doing the last several weeks. And a lot of it's been over Amazon. I know. You haven't even had to go to the stores. You've been looking for the perfect, what? Perfect gift. You've been, now, some of you, I know, weren't looking for the perfect gift for other people. You were getting a good gift for other people, hoping others would get the perfect gift for you. I, I know how, I know human nature, but there it is. We were looking for perfect gifts. And some of you were just shopping like today. Last night, after a young friend left our house uh, after dinner, He was going shopping for his mother, proving the point for us guys that if it weren't for the last minute, very little would get done, you know, looking for the perfect gift. Are you you still looking for it? Let me tell you who he is. His name is Jesus. And at Christmas, you have the perfect gift available to you and you don't have to go shopping for it. You can't go shopping for it. You can't find it in the store. Let me tell you more about the perfect gift. He's a wonderful counselor. That's the first line. And I know in Handel's Messiah, it says wonderful counselor. I know that he splits it all up. I don't have the genius of of Handel, but uh, I do know the Hebrew probably better than he did. And those words need to go together. Jesus is first of all, the wonderful counselor counselor. He's a wonder of a counselor. Now, don't think of your therapist. Don't think that Jesus is the best shrink out there. That's not what it's talking about. Because who is born at Christmas is a king. 
the eternal son of God is a king, but as a king, he needs no other counselors. He needs no advisors. He needs no cabinet. He doesn't, you know what? It's, it's just difficult to bear. He doesn't even meet, need me to help him out. I give him my ideas all the time. Lord, this would be a good idea. And he smiles and he says, thank you very much. But he's in charge. He's large and in charge because he's the eternal son of God who's a wonderful counselor. And he has the counsel to build our lives. He looks ahead. Our family, when we gather, and we have a bunch of our family in town where we like to play games. One of the games we like to play is Rummy Cube. Rummy Cube. Some of you know this game. It's very addictive. It's all these tiles with numbers on them, and you ought to get them in, in a run or in sets of different colors. And where we are sitting around the table, and everybody's putting their runs or sets out there, and I'm sitting there looking at my stack of, I got to get rid of these in order to win. And let me tell you, I want to win. I want to beat my daughter, Jesse the Warrior Princess. Uh, and my son's competition does not fade away as they get old. I want to beat them. And so I'm looking down there, and I'm thinking, with this two that I got to get rid of. If I move this over here and then this over here and this over here, then, then I could maybe use this and I can go out and I can win. Praise God. <laughs> but what I found in this game, Remy Cube, is I can only look about three plays ahead. I can only figure out three plays ahead. Now, what my son does, he wants to say time out, and then he wants to actually literally move all those tiles up there and try different things out. I said, Johnny, you can't do that. You can't try it out. The reality is, I've learned, is that I can only look about three moves ahead in my life. But because Jesus is a wonder of a counselor, he can see four, five, six, hundred moves down the road. He sees all of my life and all of your life in space and time right now. He sees it all ahead of him. He knows how to lead you. He knows where he wants to take you. That's a wonderful gift at Christmas, isn't it? Kids. Kids, if you're here, if we got any kids here, I want you to know your parents are a wonderful gift to you because they're teaching you about Jesus' wisdom to build your life. So thank your parents, not just for the gift, but what they teach you about life. They've learned from Jesus so that you can have the wonderful counsel in your life. Students, you're getting a little older. You're not listening to your parents as much. I get that. Who should you listen to? Ultimately, we need to listen to Jesus who is a wonder of a counselor who will build your life. Jesus is not out to mess up your life. He's out to build it. And then there's the rest of us in adulthood. You know, when Christmas by the church was put at the end of the year, December 25th, Jesus was probably born in the summer. When they put the Christian celebration at the end of the year, it inevitably fixed something very interesting. It causes us to look back on the year that was and look ahead on the year that's coming and to wonder what is going to happen. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And at Christmas right now, what you might need more than anything else is the gift of counsel. What's next? You need the perfect, the wonderful counselor. And you know what? You have him. His name's Jesus. And as you open the gifts under the tree tonight, tomorrow, the one major gift that he will give you if you will ask him is lead me and guide me in the way I should go. Show me how to live. Give me wisdom. He's a wonderful counselor who would have ever foreseen or conceived 
but he will do this. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. That's the second phrase, title given to, to Jesus. He is the mighty God. It's amazing uh, as we think about this, that at Christmas time, who is Jesus? Who is he really? He's the mighty God who has come for the terminally weak. That's who I am. You say, I know. You're weak because you're old. I know. But the reality is, the older I am, the more I see how weak I, I, I always was. In planning my own life, in making my decisions, in leading my family, I, 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 I realize how much I need the mighty God of power in my life. And he's come. I need power. I love the story of the Marine who retired uh, and uh, went into teaching, and he became, uh, he became a teacher in an inner city school, a really tough school downtown. And uh, but before he started up that first year, he had uh, back surgery and had a thin cast uh, on his back underneath his clothes. So when he came into uh, school the first day, he went into that really unruly group of kids, and, and they weren't listening to him. They were throwing things. They were, they, he tried to get their attention. They wouldn't listen. So he goes over to the window opens up the window, and the wind blew his tie. So he goes over to his desk, grabs the stapler, and staples his tie to his chest. (laughs) I tell you, he didn't have any problem with those kids for the rest of the semester. (laughs) They said, we aren't messing with this guy. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Jesus is mighty. A lot of people have different ideas about who Jesus is. He's not a philosopher. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just the founder of a religion. He is God come in the flesh. Mighty God come in the flesh. Jesus is not a lot of things people think he is, but I'll tell you what he is. He is mighty God. And and this Christmas, some of you, uh, what you need is the gift of power, the gift of might, because you feel terminally weak right now. You've got to make decisions about the future. You don't know how you're going to do it. You're thinking about business, work, life, relationships. You fear certain things. You need power. You can get it at Christmas because Jesus is mighty God. And at the end of the day, you can go and bow before him and ask for his power, and he will give it. He will give it. Who would have dreamed or ever conceived that we would hold God in our hands? The giver of life was born in the night, revealing his glorious plan to save the world, save you and me from our weakness and our sin. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father. Yes, Jesus, Isaiah says, is the eternal father. Now, he's not confusing God the Son and God the Father, but he's saying that Jesus has a fatherly role. And one of the key roles of a father is leadership. Leadership. This is the way we should go. This is what we should do. And Jesus is that way, is our leader. He leads us. He leads us in life. He leads us. He leads us to God the Father. I, I love what somebody once said, that, that when your kids are young as a parent, you're a cop. When they're in middle school and high school, you need to understand that you got to be a coach. And then, and then when they get into adulthood, you're a consultant. My kids are grown. It's great being a consultant. Wasn't fun being a cop, but I did it. Um, but the reality is, is God is our father. Christ is our eternal father who has introduced us to God, the father who is always 
our Father. And if you've embraced Christ as Savior and Lord, God is your Father. Christ is your leader. And the reality is at Christmas, some of you need a father you never had. At Christmas, some of you, what you need more than anything else is the blessing of a father who will look you in the eye and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I am glad that you are mine. And through Christ's work on the cross, I am your father. I love you and I like you. Only a father can set your identity and give you the fatherly blessing and benediction so that you can go out into the world in your identity as a deeply beloved, redeemed son or daughter of the Most High God. And at Christmas, if you need a father, you have one. Jesus, the eternal father who introduces you to God the Father through his work. You need to be hugged by a father. You got it. If you'll go to him, I did. That's my story. I needed a father. And in Christ, I found the one who would lead me and then the one who would take me to the father who would embrace me. Who's Jesus? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Eternal father. Prince of peace. This idea of peace is, 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 is so important. And really, this one connects probably more than anything else with the redemptive work of Christ, with what that baby was, was born to do. He was born to die. Not born to be a baby so that we can go, ah, babies are cute. Are all babies cute? Can we talk? Let me answer that for you. No, they're not. My babies were cute. My grandbabies were cute. But I don't know about all yours. The reality is, is not, is we're not about a baby. You're not worshiping a baby. We're worshiping what this son of God came to do. And that is to be raised, to live a perfect life for us. You see, Jesus became the law keeper. He kept the law perfectly. And because he became the law keeper, he could go to the cross in our place and become the curse taker. And then in his death, burial, and resurrection, he could be the righteousness bestower, the prince of peace, the one who gives us peace with God. So that Paul the apostle could say in Romans 5.1, after we understand that we've accepted him by faith, he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're, you, at Christmas time, some of you need the peace of God. And I don't mean the absence of difficulties. Listen to Chuck Berry's sermon from, from, from Sunday as he talks about the difference between peace and the shalom. You see, what we need is we need the shalom with God, the sense of well-being, that all is well, all is whole, because everything's been taken care of. Our sins have been paid for. The law has been fulfilled. For us, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. So we can have peace with God the Father and have the shalom of God the Father. So at Christmas, the gift some of you need is to finally be at peace with God. You've been on a self-salvation project. I can make this happen. I can be good. I, if I were to die right now and stand before God the Father, and he would say, why should I let you into heaven? Say, I went to church. I even went to a Christmas Eve service at Orangewood a couple of minutes ago. 
I, I tithed. I did all kinds of good things. You wouldn't believe the good things I did. And the father would say, you never measured up. You can't. But Jesus measures up for us, making him the prince of peace, of that true wholeness that can come in our life, uh, the shalom that takes place. And some of you need that this Christmas. Jesus, for the first time, a savior to rest in him. And some of you have rested in him for a number of years and you need to rest in him again. Because he really is the Prince of Peace. All right, here it is. The birth in the night. Luke 2. Now in those days, this was about 33, or excuse me, 3 BC. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. This is historically balanced, historically proven, and And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. That's how they did it back then. They didn't have people come to your house like we do in America. You had to go to your home city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When those shepherds ran to the the cave and found the manger, did they find a baby? Yes, they did. Just as God said, because God had come in human flesh. There's an old play where a little boy is in a store and he's looking for the perfect gift. He's going shelf to shelf looking for the perfect gift for, I don't know, his brother or his mother or father. He's picking something up. He looks at it. He goes, ah, that's not so good. And he goes to another shelf, looks for another gift, looks at it, inspects it, puts it back down. Third gift he picks up. No, puts it down. Santa shows up and says, son, what are you looking for? He goes, I'm looking for the perfect gift. And Santa says, son, you don't find the perfect gift. The perfect gift finds you. It's Christmas. The perfect gift has found us. In an old, very bad movie called, Oh God, the human in it, who is John Denver, meets God. 
But then God is gone, and he goes to find God again, and he looks all over for God. He's got to find God. He's got to look for God, and he looks everywhere. Finally, ends up uh, in a synagogue, and he's talking to a rabbi, and the rabbi says, what are you looking for? He said, I want to find God. And he says, son, you don't find God. God finds you. The wonder of Christmas is that God has found us. That God has come for us. That the eternal Son of God has come in human flesh to be one of us, yet without sin. That's why he had to be born of a virgin. And he grew to be the Savior, the law keeper, the curse taker, the righteousness giver for those who put their faith in him. The big-shouldered Son who carried the weight of my sin and your sin. He invites us to him today. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, the prince of peace. What gift do you need? There is no better gift that you could find in Jesus tonight. And he is available to you. He has broken in for you. So invite him in tonight. You take it to heart. And so will I. Let's pray. Well, what gift do you need? What is the gift of Christmas that you need on this silent night, this holy night, as we think about light? Where do you need Jesus to shine into your life? Oh, I want that for you. I know I need his light. I need him. Ask him right now. And as we sing together, as we light candles, as we as we see the light spread in this place, we're thinking about the light of Christ that has shown into our hearts who makes all the difference in all of our lives. Our great God, we bow before you tonight as your people. We humble ourselves and we recognize that without you, we really are are trying to reel in life on our own and we can't do it and we get bloodied and hurt. And so we come to you. Be for us all that we need. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory as we experience your light in our life this Christmas. As we pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.